and rising. I pray everybody is good this morning. I pray you are in the best spirit. I pray everybody is well. Feel free to ping people into the room this morning. We are talking about play your position and shoot your shot. I love this play on words, first of all. Um, it's shoot your shot season. Like, if you didn't know, people are out here shooting their shot. <laughs> If you're single, people are shooting their shot, guys, to make sure you're looking good, feeling good on your best-ish, because people are shooting their shot. It's coming up to hibernation season, so I think people want to make sure that they got somebody to be tucked in with. <laughs> and so I want to encourage you guys to shoot your shot. What do I mean by that? I heard something this morning. I heard it this morning. I heard it yesterday. And it won't leave me alone. And it says that purpose <laughs> is most powerful in an inconvenient time, but it's not impossible. Purpose is most powerful in an inconvenient time, but it's not impossible. And I love that. The reason why it keeps coming back to me on replay is because we often don't do what we think is impossible because we believe it to be impossible. But when you look at the word impossible, even the word itself says what? I'm possible. And so that should really be a reminder <laughs> that nothing is impossible. But sometimes because we don't have the resources, the experiences, the time, the circumstances, the right environment, we really don't do what it is that we can do. And this morning, as I was just thinking about this room, I always go through my notes because I tell y'all I document everything. And the last um, job that I was employed at um, was a I was a sales executive and a financial um, advisor. And within that role, I used to get paid, I've told you guys this probably before, but good money to do light work, right? But at the time, um, in the beginning, I had to go into London every day of the week, but I was only working about five hours there every day. Um, and in the time that it takes you to travel and in the time that it takes you to come home, I told you guys I did the maths and I was like, mm, I don't know if this is going to work out for me, but the manager was amazing. And in the end, basically, I ended up working from home, which was great. But after a while, I would probably go in like once every two weeks. And as much as the job was convenient and it was comfortable and it was helping me, you know, pay my bills as much as it was actually assisting me to build my dream because I was able to have a regular income I was crazy at that time that there was more in me that there was something else that I needed to do and I recognized that I had to kind of be really kind of inconvenienced to work outside of working right to work outside of working. So when I was going there and working for five hours, plus it was about two and a half hours travel, that's already seven and a half hours, right? I have, I'm a mother of two. I was already doing um, 
my dance classes, my fitness classes at that time, but there was still something else in me. There was still something else that I wanted to birth. There was still something else that I wanted to do. I had been quite established at that time because it was only a couple of years ago in terms of a lot of the things that I was doing, but guess what? There was still something else. And so what I done is I used at least six hours a day to sit with myself and write out all of the other stuff that I wanted to do. Why? Because I recognized that as much as I was doing what I loved, I was, I was in a relationship at the time. Like there were so many things going for me that were good, right? That were okay. But guess what? There was still something in me that was not fulfilled and I couldn't ignore it. So when I was sitting at my desk in between every call, I was writing down what I wanted. I was writing down what I wanted to become. I was writing down what I wanted my life to look like. And I wouldn't stop writing it down. So although I wasn't necessarily taking action in certain areas, I was already writing down the action that I was about to take. Thank God I was documenting everything because I didn't know there was going to come a time where I was actually going to be sharing my personal notes, my personal journeys on a platform like this. But something in me was like, write out everything. And so I did. And as a part of that, it was a way of me getting more and more clarity. It was a way of me really getting out not only how I was feeling, right, but what I wanted to experience. It was a way of me speaking to myself to tell myself that it was possible. I just needed to stop. I want to speak to the person in the room who is stuck. I want to speak to the person in the room who is scared to step into their potential. I want to speak to the person in the room that is scared to fail because there became a place in my life where I started to recognize I would rather have a bunch of failures than potential. I would rather have a bunch of failures than potential. I would rather take a shot. I would rather shoot my shot than sit on the fence and watch because what I was writing was making me uncomfortable. I remember coming back one day on the train from work and I loved going into London because I'm like, I like an environment change. I like stepping out of my current environment into a new environment and feeling different. And there was something about working in the city that just made me walk different. There was something about working in the city that made me wanna like do my hair and makeup different. There was something about stepping outside of my environment that made me wanna wake up and go. So I loved it. That part of it, I loved it. I would look forward to me going into actual the office like every two weeks and like I said this was way before COVID and I would also like that then I wasn't just talking to myself I was actually talking to people I was you know communicating connecting building relationships like probably have some random conversation on the train there was so much about it that I loved yet when I picked up my pen and my paper there was something that was not fulfilling me and on one day the date is the 8th of April 2019 
This isn't long ago, guys. Here's what I wrote. So I'm on the train on my way back from my half ass job with my half ass attitude and tears trickling down my face. My work bag is popped up next to me and the amazing bag from my boutique is sat in the table in front of me. I'm looking out the window as I type and it moves and I'm trying to swallow the sickness that wants to come up while I ignore this funny feeling that I'm starting to create in my head. Motion sickness, they call it. Yeah, I'm looking at these buildings as I type, this concrete jungle. It sometimes feels like there's no way in and there's no way out type of vibe. Time's passing by, lives are being lost, and I'm simply asking, how on earth do I give this journey all that I've got? I'm allowing myself to feel, and I'm trusting that it's a part of the process too. I'm allowing myself to heal, <laughs> but I'm laughing as I cry and I'm smiling as I wipe the tears from my eyes. I'm realizing that this life, this journey, this experience is truly one filled with way more than you can ever imagine. So let's get to it. And that's it. Many of you knew me in 2019. We're in 2021, it's only two years ago. Many people would have looked at me in 2019 and said, Tanya is living a purpose-filled life. Tanya is fulfilled by doing what she loves. Tanya wakes up and goes out and just does what needs to be done. And I'm telling y'all, we never know what's going on on the inside of someone. We never know what their arc skin is creating. And I'm telling you guys, amongst me doing my fitness classes at the time, I was in schools doing my drama and dance contracts. I was creating contracts. I was um, working that job. I was um, just living. But something inside of me weren't sitting right. Something inside of me wasn't okay. I knew that I still had more. I knew that I still needed to create something. And I think at this time, what I then went on to do was to add like the, the fitness equipment to my brand. So then I started developing the branding behind the brand, the resistance bands, the sweat belts, all of that stuff, because I was like, I, could, I need to add more value to what I've already got. I need to add more value to what I've already got. It wasn't outside of me. It wasn't outside of what I was already doing. But it was about taking it to the next level. I want to talk to the person who's already started, who's already got the dream, who's already got the desire, whose arc skin is keeps allowing them to come back here. But you're still not moving. It's not what you haven't got, but it's how are you going to shoot your shot with what's already in you? How are you going to add value to what's already valuable? How do you increase 
if you was a part of my classes, my actual fitness classes at that time, this was April, by October, I took on another contract. So I went from doing one of my own personal classes a week to doing two of them. By the January of 2020, I was doing three of them a week. I will never forget in October when I started the new class and it was like one person a week, two people a week, three consistent people a week for six weeks. And I was like, ah, but God, you told me to, to, to extend. You told me to add. You told me to multiply what I already have, but it's not growing. So what am I doing? And from October for the six weeks up to just before Christmas, when that course, I think by the end, it might have picked up to maybe like 12 consistent people, 13 in the second room. My, my first class was full, but the second class kind of picked up to maybe have consistently around 15 people. By January, <laughs> It went consistently to about, we couldn't even have, we couldn't have everybody in the room. Why am I sharing that? Because there comes a place and a point where you start moving. There comes a place and a point where something's told you to do more. So you start doing more. You start adding value to what you already have. I started creating the resistance bands. I released them. Yes, the people in the class, what, maybe I sold 50, maybe I sold 20. Then COVID hit and boom, I sold like 200. There will be a season where you've got to press. There will be a season where you've got to take what you've already got and produce something else, add more value to it. And there will be a season where you've got to wait and where you've got to pause and where you've got to let it go. And it's not that you are completely giving up, it's actually just the weight. And I've said this to so many people lately, but it's the tone of your weight that makes the difference. In those six weeks, if I would have said, oh, it, this don't make no sense because the numbers are not growing, people are not coming, I'm actually promoting, oh, like, and I would have quit, like really quit completely let go when that boom came in January when that boom came where every class was fully booked sold out overbooked I wouldn't have had it because I would have quit in the way so why did I say in this room play your position because the position that you choose to play counts some of you are on the back burner of your job and you won't move. Some of you are on the back burner of a relationship, just hanging on by a twig, not even a branch, a twig, but you won't let it go. Some of you are on the leading edge. When I tell you the leading edge of stepping into something new and all you've got to do is step, you ain't even got a leap, you ain't got a run, you ain't even got a jump. All you need to do is step and y'all won't play your position. So I just wanted to pass through this morning and keep reminding you, we're not no different 
I go through the same emotions you go through. I go through the same thoughts you go through, the same seasons you go through, the same ideas you go through. Maybe the only difference is in my weight. I know it's just a weight. I know it's not over. I know it's not finished. I know it's not done. I know that everything is always working for my greater good. I know that. And so I'm always prepared to play the game. I recognize that even in the wait, there's something I've got to do. And more time, that's me affirming something. More time, that's me still creating something. More time, that's me visualizing the end as if it's already done. Some of y'all don't know how to open your minds to visualize what it is that you want to do. So you have no desire to step into it. It just becomes a dream. It just becomes something that you're wishing for. There's not much I wish for anymore because I recognize that I get to create it. I get to wake up in it if I'm just willing to step. If I'm just willing to not only write the plan, but execute the plan. If I'm just willing to not only write the book, but release the book. There's so much in each and every single one of us. It's not outside of us. You've had ideas, whether they're as small as writing, um, a daily message to people to lift them up or whether they're as big as creating the most elite football team, whatever it is, you've had these dreams. Age is not a factor. Experience is not a factor. Qualifications is not a factor. Time is not a factor. Circumstance is not a factor. Maybe the environment is a factor. Are you prepared to build the environment that will incubate your dream, your desire, your passion? Are you willing? Because as much as I was thinking about this topic when I heard that purpose is inconvenient, yet it's not impossible, I was like, T, what did you do? What do you always do? And I'm like, girl, you get crazy about your environment. And I'm not just talking my physical environment. I'm talking my mental environment, my emotional environment. And guess what, guys? My spiritual environment. I get so crazy about them. What does that mean? It means that if I'm writing down that this is what I want to create, this is what I want to build, this is what I want to experience, this is what I want to see happen for our youth. Because y'all have heard me get started with women. And now y'all see me extend the invitation to men. But let me tell you what I'm most passionate about is our future. What I'm most passionate about is our youth. But the dream and desire that I have for them, I can't do it alone. Yeah, it might be just me and God, but I already know that's not what he's told me. And so this season is about preparing and positioning those that are going to do it with me. 
It's about aligning with them. It's about finding them. There's steps to your vision. But you won't know that if you don't get yourself in an environment to receive that. And so there was a point in my life where my family life felt dysfunctional. It felt like drama. It felt like if some drama was not happening, then people weren't living. If I weren't getting in my car ready to have tools to go out there to do something, then, then, then that's all that was happening. I said, no, this isn't for me. I will defend my family when they're right at all costs. When they're wrong, mm -mm, family or not, I, I, that's not my fight. But I had to learn even deeper than that, that actually their battles are not my battles at all. That was hard. That was hard. Some of us don't know that yet. Some of us don't know that some of the stuff you're fighting with every single day isn't even your battle. Some of the dysfunction and drama that you wanna keep surrounding yourself with isn't even your dysfunction and drama. But you keep getting so wrapped up in it that it's, it's, it's distracting you from what you've really gotta do. And so I had to silence some of the noise. Had to decline going to some events had to decline being around certain people, had to decline answering certain phone calls, had to decline being a part of certain conferences. So I could silence the outside noise and turn up the volume on what was happening in my head, in my environment, in my emotions. And that's also why many people won't journal. Because when you start to journal, things start to get real loud. And people don't even know what they're thinking. They don't even know what they're really feeling day to day. They don't even really know what they're hearing. And so when I started to <laughs> write out my feelings and that kind of stuff come out, half-assed job, half-assed attitude, <laughs> who did I need to check myself? Why am I waking up as much as I love going into the city, but going to what I consider, really consider a half-assed job? Why am I doing that? The first two lines say that I wasn't fulfilled. A half-assed attitude. Yeah, that's the energy that I was taking to the job. I needed to check that. Regardless to what the circumstances may have been when I got there, I have control over my attitude. So what was creating that in me? I had to start to ask these questions. And so the more that I silenced the noise outside of me, I could hear the noise inside of me. And then I have a choice. What do I do with that? Certain things I experienced, right? They were so painful. Let me tell y'all. They were so painful that at times it didn't even matter how much knowledge, awareness, um, momentum, positivity, support I had around me, I felt so broken. I felt so broken. And so I had a choice. Do I stay in this brokenness or do I churn this out into something? Do I make this pain purposeful? 
And so in me taking those painful parts of me and using them, I use them to write blogs. I use them to write posts. I use them to speak on topics. I used it and I will continue to. It was through some of that pain that I found the most amazing purpose. So I wanna talk to your pain points, the ones that you're allowing to hold you hostage, the ones that you're allowing to hold you accountable. When are you gonna do something with that? When are you gonna release that? You might not have to do it publicly, you might just need to sit and write some forgiveness letters to get it out of you. You might need to just press record on your phone and speak to yourself so that you can get what's going on inside of you, out of you. Because when you're willing to release the lies, the pain, the burdens, the things that keep you tied, oh my gosh, can you fly? A lot of us don't understand the power of forgiveness. We don't understand the power of forgiving ourselves. We don't understand the power of forgiving others. We don't understand the power of forgiving life. Our parents. And that's not to say that people did you wrong, but it's to say that you experienced some hurt and you need to let it go. And no, letting it go doesn't mean you're letting them off the hook. It means you're allowing yourself to be free. And so this is why this is a conversation about playing your position and shooting your shot. Because that step that I'm talking about that some of you just need to take one step, that one decision, that one thought, that one prayer, that means that you're going to have a breakthrough. You won't do it if something's too heavy and is keeping you tied. As much as I've sat into some of my circumstances at time, I know like I know and I knew like I knew I wasn't going to stay there. I was not going to stay there. That was April, 2019. A couple of weeks later, guess what? <laughs> I was made redundant, randomly. <laughs> randomly made redundant. When you are really ready to step into something new, I am telling you the infinite power, the God power, the creator, your manufacturer, he don't want you to suffer. He will give you everything you ask for. Because I allowed myself to feel, I always allow myself to feel. People don't allow themselves to heal because they shut down what they're feeling. I allow myself to feel, whether it's good, bad, ugly, pretty, whatever, I allow my feelings to surface because they are indicators in my healing. 
They do not hold me hostage. They do not govern my choices. They just guide me. They just, they just allow me to know, am I in alignment with my highest good God-like self or am I out? That's all it is. Nothing more, nothing less. But when your emotions are dictating your moods, when your emotions are dictating everything, that's the environment that I'm talking about that you've got to clean up. But because I was in a position of becoming aware of the environment of my emotions and allowing them to surface, allowing them to be released, allowing them to come out. When I wrote that, I was just sitting on a train. The next time I went into work, because I said I'd be going like every two weeks. The next time I went into work, guess what, babes? Manager said, can I have a word? I was like, yeah, sure. And she said, oh, you know, um, the world is changing and the IT business isn't needing as much roles, yada, yada, yada. Basically, you're going to be made redundant. <laughs> I was like, yes, God. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I was laughing so hard as I walked home. I probably should have been scared, right? Because where was the income gonna go? But guess what? I had been preparing while I was in that job, preparing for something that I didn't even know was gonna come. But because the environment of my spirit was in alignment, I was being prepared for something that I didn't know was going to come, but the creator already had me. This isn't just happening in my life. This is happening in yours. But are you missing the signs? Are you seeing them as problems? Are you seeing them as obstacles? Some of you aren't getting the return call that you're waiting for. You're not getting the opportunity that you're asking for. The relationship, the job, the whatever it is, isn't moving in the way that you want it to because it's not supposed to. But you don't know your position in the way. You're not listening. And it was at that moment I said, okay, you know what, T? We ain't going back to being employed by anybody. We're gonna make this work. We're gonna go full-time or at least part-time being employed. You're gonna be self-employed, let's go. We need to remove that bracket of fear. That's not for everybody, but it was for me. Because there was a certain level of my work ethic that needed to change. There was a level of my belief system that needed to increase. There was a level of comfortable that needed to go. This is why some of y'all don't stumble across your purpose. Because you're too comfortable. You're too scared. You live in too much fear. Nothing exists there. Nothing grows there. Nothing births there. What newness are you nurturing there? Some of y'all get that bubble now when Tonya speaks in your belly, your spirit starts rumbling, you feel uncomfortable and you don't follow through on it. You don't ask it. What are you telling me to do? What are you telling me to do? 
That's your spirit. But you've probably associated that with anxiety. Oh my God, talk about it. <laughs> Some of your spirits have been calling you, talking to you, and it comes in the sign of anxiety. But the system and the world has taught you it's anxiety, so you run and get medication. But I'm telling you, it's your spirit sometimes that comes in the same way that anxiety comes and it's asking you to do something. But you don't know how to talk to it. Just the same way, some of you will experience depression again and again and again and again. And it will hold you up in your bed and it will hold you in your house. It will lock you into an environment that you don't want to come out of because the environment is trying to show you you've got something more in you. But again, you claim the depression and you claim that life is so bad. No. Life is trying to say to you, I've got something more. Listen to yourself. But this is what we've been taught, right? And this is the parts that we won't question, right? It's easier to accept, oh, I've got anxiety. Oh, I've got depression. I don't even know the other names of the, the disorders that have come out now. There's a bag of them. To when people come and say, I've got... That's what it sounds like to me. And I'm like, okay, cool. When did you get diagnosed with that? When did you accept it? What are you going to do about it? You're experiencing some things because you're really meant to experience something. But we're not looking at the environment of what we're in and why we're in it. And guess what? Since that moment in 2019, I've never looked back. It was booming after that for a while. January, February 2020, top of my game, especially when it came to classes, bomb. And guess what? Boom, COVID hits. <laughs> Every contract I had gone in a day. That wait period came again. I had a decision again. Everything I had built up and put energy into, it was all like just watching it fade away. I could have ran to Universal Credit. I couldn't get any of the grants that they were offering because my business hadn't been opened long enough. But I could have ran to a level of security, absolutely. I've got children to feed. I've got a house to provide for. Had a car, actually just got a brand new car at that time. And I said, Father, you ain't ever brought me this far to leave me. And I leaned in to that one idea. There is no way that you've brought me this far to leave me. And at that point, you know what I had to really sit with? My belief. And my belief was the minute that something good happens, everything falls apart. That was my core belief. And I caught it. And I was like, uh-uh, girl, we're not believing that anymore. We're not believing that anymore. 
So what we are going to do is maintain the belief that everything is working out for me. Everything is working out for me. I'm giving you lot real life tangible experiences. Because I've heard so often, it's easy for Tanya, which part where? And trust me, because I'm speaking publicly, I'm giving you the nice versions of stuff. We all go through things that we cannot see the end to, that we don't believe we deserve. But it's how do you go through it? What do you make it mean? What do you do with it? How do you maintain a posture that means you're going to shoot your shot and play your position regardless? And so I stayed in the weight with a belief system that everything's working out for me. And furthermore, I was more concerned that my women who would put in so much work and effort and have really changed their mindset about exercise, about what they believe, we were not going to quit. So I increased my work ethic. We were working out every day online at that time. I think minus a Sunday. Because it was about giving. It was making sure that they were good more than I was good. Because you know what? It was give, 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 give. Let's go. Keep the momentum up. And I truly believe that because of that, God just keeps blessing me. I started to run an anthem. I have more than I need. 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 And what did you know? My sticks that I wanted to release that I had been writing for five years, five years. There was five years between when I released the first sticks to the second new batch, five years. In that five years, I had contacted companies who were on it, who were ready to um, print them. There was one company, when they saw that I was a black woman, they wouldn't print them. There was another company, when they saw God on the sticks, they wouldn't print them. People don't know the trials that go on behind the scenes. People don't know what posture you need to maintain in the way. People don't know why when I was saying they were coming, they're coming, they're coming. You didn't know I was getting declined because I was black. You didn't know I was getting declined because they printed them until I sent the ones that said God, then they stopped the print. But I wasn't going to act like I didn't know who I was walking with. I wasn't going to act like I didn't know the assignment. I even sent all of my sticks to one person. I'd paid for the product. I'd paid for everything. And you know what? The man got cancer. They didn't send me back any of my products, my money, nothing. As much as if you've seen the other side of the story where I had lost so much of my business by working with a company, it's not been easy. But it's my posture in the weight. It's not over, it's not done until it's done. So these dreams you're sitting on, these desires you're sitting on, these little places that you're in that you know, like, you know, like, you know, you got to get out, get out. Leap into fear. What really is courage is taking your passion in one hand and your fear in the other hand. And it's walking anyways, that's courage. It's not waiting until the fear is gone. It's not waiting until you fully believe. It's taking the fear in one hand, the passion in the other hand, and doing something with it. 
That's how you shoot your shot. That's how you play your position. That's how you come out fighting. That's how you develop a pressing spirit. Some of us crumble when the pressure gets too much. And we don't crumble knowing that the gold is on the inside. That's why we've got to crumble. Because when the pressure increases and we crumble, it's so that it, something kicks in. I've been telling people because my back is in bits today, right? Because I went to the gym yesterday because I've been changing my habits. and I've been going to the gym more consistently. And I like to go to the gym with a guy because guys are just like, let's go. There's no excuse. Let's go. So I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. And it was the first time that I've done deadlifts. And uh, I lifted 100 kg, let me tell y'all. I'm so glad he didn't tell me the number when I was lifting it because I would have automatically counted myself out. But I counted myself in because he was just putting on the weights and I was just lifting until I literally couldn't lift anymore. And so where I started at like maybe 10 reps at, what, 50, by the time I got to 100, I might have only done two or three, but I still done it. And at that point, when I went to get the bar off the floor the first time, I said to him, what? You expect me to get that up? I can't get it up. I cannot get it off the floor. He said, push in. He said, push in, use your legs, push into the ground and lift. And I was like, oh, and it came up and I was like, yes. That's what it takes for you to shoot your shot sometimes. It takes you to push in. It takes the things that are on top of you to crumble so that then only then you see what's really within you. And many of us don't let ourselves get to that point because we're out the minute they turn up the heat. We're out the minute the pressure comes on. We're out the minute they say contracts are gone. Oh shit, run away. When really, if you would have stuck it out, because I stuck it out, mindset was birthed. Because it didn't matter how much exercise we were doing at one point, some people just weren't shifting. So I was like, okay, cool. A seed was planted in me. Mum was like, mm -mm, you probably need to do that mindset stuff because guess what? I'd be doing that anyways. To then share it. And now look, after that, a year later, I'm becoming a lecturer in a university in a couple of weeks. Your purpose makes room for you. Your gifts make room for you. Your talents make room for you. But are you willing to use them? Doors will keep opening if you walk through the first one. Opportunities will keep coming if you just leap through the first one. Your life will change if you just start changing your language. This stuff is real. And no, I'm not sitting here as no millionaire. I live in the same town as most of y'all. But that's only my physical environment, my mental environment, my emotional environment, my spiritual environment isn't in the same realm. And I just want to tell somebody to maximize what you've already got, add value to it, shoot your shot, play your position, 
because it's only been put in you. There's something only you can do. There's something only you can birth. And it doesn't have to be huge, but it can have a huge impact on someone else. And that's the beauty of purpose. When you get out of your way, you get to bless so many other people. When you get out of your fears, you get to touch so many other people. And it never it has to be about touching them, inspiring them, empowering. It's not, it doesn't have to be about that. But that's just who you become. Because your living is inspiring. Your whole existence is empowering. Please don't let another moment in this day go that you count yourself out because of fear, because of lack of qualifications. Yes, ma'am. Welcome to the stage. How are you? You make me laugh so much. <laughs> Why? <laughs> shift that pain into purpose and make yeah. a decision on your fears amen thank god you did i was so grateful that i did because then as much as i couldn't physically go and bury him i feel complete that our business was wrapped up i wrapped up the business with my mom so i would say that there's business if you, if you do have things with parents siblings whoever it is 
wrap it up as, as and that's not saying you have to love everybody it's just be good be good with it just accept it do whatever you have to do with it that would be that would be one thing on what you said the other thing was when you said about how much weight you lift i was laughing because the rational mind will say you better be careful you better be careful you know and i have been that parent that has often said to my children be careful be careful be careful but in business we have to take risks so by me saying be careful be careful you know sometimes i'm limiting my i'm limiting my children i'm limiting them from taking the risk that is required to get them to the next level so that's something that i've learned as a parent like in business and and the main business is you you are your business what you do with your life is your business and at times you have to take risks so that was another thing that personally i love I that yeah the last, thing, the last thing that i would say is 2013 target exported me to the hospital this was my second round with, with cancer coming back oh god so but, you know, when, when she, I got her to walk me to the theatre door, the nurse was like, right, say bye-bye. I said, no, she's walking me to that door. That was fear talking. It was like, if I'm going to die, she's walking me right up to the, to the theatre door. Anyway. No. <laughs> I'm glad you found it funny. I was frightened as shit. And even though I was frightened, you know, it was going to be a, a serious operation, even though I was frightened, I decided, let me do ballet. So I was doing ballet, Tanya will tell you, down the ward, in, you know, just, just being a damn fool, because that's what I'm great at doing. I'm just like, listen, I'm not, if this is going to be my last dance, let Tanya and Pauline, who was there, last their arse, because I'm doing ballet. I'm, I just wanted to relax myself. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not scared of looking like a damn fool to get myself in the position that I have to, because... So yeah, if I would have gone in there with that fear, it might have given me a heart attack. I had to be like, oh, you know, doing all of these, you know, whatever I felt was necessary. And you know what's amazing? Because we know when I'm talking about the weight, so that operation that she's talking about, it was they deemed it as life or death. One, because of the size of the tumour was as big as a football inside of her. And number two, um, because of her weight, there was a lot of risk that they were under for the amount of time that she was going to have to be in surgery. And I think the original operation was supposed to be about an hour and a half. Oh my gosh. It ended up being about three and a half hours and it was like five hours before we could see her again. So y'all, when we talk about the weight, I was at the hospital with my mum's friend and you know, we had like a group chat. So I was communicating with the family. But when I tell you, being at that hospital for five hours, waiting for her to come out of that operation, knowing the risk. Mm -mm. When I told you a lot about your posture in the wait, I went from, it's all good. Like I was certain she was fine when she went in. I had prayed. Many people had prayed. I knew how many people were holding space. Oh, uh, three hours later, uh -uh, your girl wasn't good. I was a hot mess. I was like, they're not telling me anything. I'm acting out of emotion. I'm going to the doctors. I'm cutting them out. I'm doing all of this stuff because I've lost control now until I had to come back to being like, there's only one person in control at this point and it's God. 
The doctors can do what they can do. Mum can do what she can do, but ultimately it's God. There's nothing I can do. So I had to let it go again. But that's exactly a perfect example of sometimes the emotional journey, the mental journey that you go on when you really start to live in this life of deeply fulfilling your dreams, deeply listening to what fulfills you and taking the risks that come with it. There's so much of that that happens, so much of it. And again, you've got to check your posture. And I would just like to say that I had gone through the same thing with my mom. So my mom had an operation um, in 1995. And it was the same thing. It was like waiting outside something that was meant to take a couple of hours, ended up taking hours and hours and hours. So sometimes it's, it's these patterns that we create generationally as well. And, you know, a lot of the times, like my mum walked through cancer, her mum walked through cancer, you know, so it was like, okay, I've got to break this relationship. Like when, when Tanya speaks about environment, it's like, no, 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 no. You know, I've got to break this this continuous one generation to the other pattern. So, you know, it was going to take something. It was going to take some, it was going to be very inconvenient and it was going to be very, as far as I am concerned, when she, when Tanya was talking and she was like, because fear, where does that get you? I was like, mm, when she said that at the beginning, I was like, mm. but later, on, later on when she said, because when, when she was saying that, I was thinking, hmm, feel the fear doing it anyway. There is many times when I have absolutely almost kissed myself. And in fact, I will declare, I have kissed myself <laughs> at times. I have frightened until I, my, I'm saying, I'm telling you, I've been frightened until the people shot at me. But guess what? I walk, I walk, when they say that, when they said, oh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not fear. I said, the Lord is my shepherd, and I'm frightened, no, I've got to help me. <laughs> That's what's funny. I do, but that excites me. You know, like, like I still get nervous. This this weekend, right? I've been asked to perform. They're asking some of us to perform at a party. I said, if I've got to perform, I'm not going. Everybody's like, what? I said, if you're making me dance when I get there, I am not coming to the. I'm not coming. I'm not coming. People would be like, what? Because I haven't danced like that in so long. I, I will go back to having the fear. What people don't understand is confidence comes from practice. Confidence comes from practice. As much as there are some things which you just know you can do, you just know you can do them, so you get up and do them. But when your environment changes, right now I'm not in the environment of dancing. I'm not in the environment as classing myself as a dancer. So you want to now put me in that environment? Uh, uh, I'm not sure about that. It, it happens. It happens, it's real. But at the same time, if I need to deliver, I'm gonna take that fear and do it anyways. 
that's the difference. The fear is always, I don't know if fear completely goes. I don't know. But what I do know is it gets to a point where it's like you recognize what's on the other side of that fear. So you use it. Some fear cripples people. I use it to allow me to move. Sometimes you, you really cannot see what is on the other side of the fear because the fear is like a mountain that, you know, I, I know Everest is 29,141 feet high. And sometimes the fear, I can't see what's on the other side of Everest. I can't see the mountain is just in front of me. But I just keep taking the steps. I just keep taking the steps. I just keep taking the steps. And I always say that if anyone's ever been to Norfolk Hills or you've happened to drive down the A40 and you just drive past them, I always used to be like, oh, my God, how do you get up there? I want to go up there. I just want to go there because I see people going there. I just don't know what it is. But when you look on the other side of those hills, oh my God, it's so beautiful. And you would never know that that play park, that lake, you would never know any of that stuff is there. There, It's the same thing with life. You don't know what's on the opposite side until you take the leap, until you walk up the mountain, until you go on the other side. But we won't get there if the valley is keeping us stuck. We're supposed to go through the valley. We're supposed to experience the struggles, the trauma, all of that stuff. Yes, we're supposed to experience it because there's purpose in it. So when you now use that purpose, you know how it's equipped you to be able to maintain the walk of the valley. Yeah, and, and the last thing, because I know Cousin Sue is waiting, um, it's that I was in the hospital afterwards. Um, <laughs> you know, cut wide, you know, right down the middle. Painful, you know, staples, you know, to sit up, like, they're like, right, what you're going to do is you're going to get up, like, the first day afterwards, it was like, get up, yes, you need to get up and walk, we've got to get, I was like, this is, these people are crazy, like, crazy, because sometimes we want to lie in our pain, but actually the recovery is walking through the pain. And I got up, oh, man, walk through the pain, you know, over and over again. Also, the, I'm going to tell you a joke, it was, it, it's a bit humiliating, but when the nurse had to shower me, you know, she's like, oh my God, is that real? <laughs> Thinking about my, my bottom. <laughs> she was like, real? But what? So I said, no, 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 it's all mine. You know, but these are the things you go through. But in the bed next to me, constantly, constantly, I don't know how much times I heard it to the point that it was like, no, 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 no. This lady was like to her boyfriend, I'm going to die. The cancer's spreading. Every time they take me, it's spreading. It's going to kill me. I'm going to die. I'm gonna... She said it all day, throughout the day. She cried. She said it. She said it. She said it. I didn't understand affirmations to the level that I understand them now. However, those words was not going to sit in me. Those words, I'm going to die, we had to spread. No, sir. No, sir. You hear me? God, please heal me. Lord, please Whatever words she was saying, I just used to say, Lord, heal me. Lord, please heal me. Lord, please. And it made me get up and walk more. They was like, wow, you're doing amazing. I got up and I walked. First of all, I had to walk away from lying in the bed to hear them words because I worked on it. I worked on a swallow them words to take down in my spirit. Sometimes the pain, I walk into a different environment. Let me walk into the waiting room. Let me walk somewhere else where I don't have to hear constant recital of them words that that lady was, was giving to herself. I don't know where she is. 
I hope she changed her words. <laughs> Sorry, but there's the incubator. Just like when a baby is born and sometimes it needs support, they put it in the incubator. That's exactly the things that we've got to do with our dreams and desires. Become so aware of how we are incubating. And even if you guys don't have no real business plan, no dream, no desires, but the incubator that you keep you in, brah, that's everything. The space that you keep you in, the environment, the relationships, the conversations, everything is so important. It's so, so, so important. Miss Susan, thank you so much for sharing, mum. Grand Rising, how are you, Sue? Grand Rising, Tanya, and everyone in the room, I'm good, thank you. Oh my gosh, you know what? I've got tears in my eyes and I'm laughing at the same time, if that's really possible. <laughs> it is, because you're a Brooks. <laughs> about when we miss the signs so your first childcare went to pop someone else easily said yes and you still took it upon yourself to decide oh no this isn't for me <laughs> like that's the crazy stuff that we do everything is working out for us and we choose to sit on the fence of saying no it's not because it's not working out in the way that we thought it was gonna we miss the fact that actually it's working yeah, most definitely, most definitely. And that word impossible, because I've been saying it's impossible. I can't do it. It's impossible. I can't do it. See? It's possible. And you will do it soon. You so, will. The word so, itself says I'm possible. It says I'm possible. So, it literally says it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really... Yeah, it, you've really resonated so many things. And the other thing that I wanted to say is about forgiveness, because 
that's something that I really, really grapple with and I just find it so hard because I just expect people to behave in a way Sue thinks they should. And I know they don't. And actually, listening to you this morning, there are two people that I'm actually going to phone today and just say, look, I love you. This has happened. That was in the past. This is now. And for me, that's going to be incredibly hard, but I'm going to do it because I know I've got a weight in my heart and I just need to lift that. I love that. Yes. Y'all don't understand. If I come into these rooms and I speak and one person has that kind of awareness, I'm good. The rest of my day, I'm happy because that's where the change will come. We people have done stuff that have hurt us. People have done things that we didn't expect them to do, but it no longer serves us to hold on to that identity because it becomes an identity. We become the bitter person. We become the person that's heavy and dense in our spirit. We don't need that and bitter and complaining and all the other stuff that comes along with it. So I'm proud of you, Sue. You better keep stepping. And that's what that means. One decision. You're so welcome. As mum spoke, just to end the room, it reminded me because she spoke about um, granddad and I'm telling you our legacy's hitting different lately. And when I said that I had to change certain of my environments because I realised there was a lot of family stuff that I was calling dysfunctional and drama. And I also said about your posture. Let me tell you, when I physically removed myself, like got locked into Tanya's bedroom, that's where she stayed. And I said to you guys, there's a way. I built a prayer closet. I ain't got no American house or no big house where I could have made it a complete room. So on one of my closets, all of my prayers are on there. Anything that I'm praying for, anything that I'm asking for. And for those of you that maybe struggle with the word prayer, it's just a conversation. And it's not just a conversation. It's an incredible conversation that you can choose to have with your highest self, that you can choose to have with the creator. And I told you guys there's power in writing things down. So I started to write out my prayers. And the ones that I'm working on, they're sealed on my door. And then I have a list which I've taken from War Room. If any of you want to watch War Room, um, that inspired me to change my prayer life. And so I write a list and it says answered prayers. So as my prayers are answered, I write on there the day that they're answered and the prayer that was answered. Because it's one thing to say you believe in God and that he works things out. But can you bear witness to the fact that he does? So if you're struggling, do that, write the list, write down what you've been asking for and write down the date that it comes through. And so I was picking up, I found one of my old prayer journals. So before I created that closet, I used to have an actual prayer journal, a book that I would just write prayers in and I've split it up into sections. Um, So it's got like relationship, my growth, family and friends, health and fitness, clarity, mindset, all different topics. And I picked this up this week for one of my classes. I was showing them an example. And let me tell y'all, I cried so hard. I cried so hard because in here, I found a prayer that I had written for my family. And it was written, look at the date, on the the 7th of the 2nd, 2021. This was February. I'm going to share it with you guys. Um, And the reason why I'm sharing is because when I removed myself physically, I went ham in my prayer closet. 
I went ham in my prayer closet for my family. There's a different position that all of you play in your family. Some of you are the doer. You're the one that holds the kids. You're the one that takes care of them. Some of you need to get in the prayer closet for your family. Some of you are the chain breaker. Play your position. And my position for a long while has been when I removed myself from running around crazy on the street, I go to prayer. A lot of the time things happen, they call me, Tanya sounds unbothered because I know who's handling it. Here's the Sorry. prayer. Yes, ma'am. You read the prayer, you know, with what Susan said about forgiveness. And, you know, I know I have a lot of conversations with people about forgiveness. Mm -hmm. um, the, Susan said, sometimes that's hard because Susan has a way that she thinks things should be. Yes. Tina has a way things should be. Tanya has a way that she thinks things should be. So we all have a way that we think things should be and how they should unfold and how people should behave. And sometimes it's just kind of like, it's, there's another view. There's mm -hmm. another perspective. There is another perspective. A thousand percent. Like, like I always said, just whenever I look at, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm holding on to that and I can't forgive that person. I, I, I have that conversation for me, like Tanya, it's God. I'm like, but how much time, God, did you put that thing on my heart and I wouldn't do it? I was scared to do it. I was afraid to do it. I was, and if you didn't forgive me, if you didn't allow me another chance, like, then how, how could I, like, not have that for somebody else? I, I love that. If you're like me, you probably forgive people over and over and over and over again. And, you know, at, at times, you know, in particular, Tanya, and say, Mom, I don't understand you. You're good. You're good. You are good. And it was just like, Tanya, it's, it's, some, it's like something in me. It doesn't allow me to, like, no, that's it. It's your last chance. Because if, if God did that to me, girl, I would have been out of here a long time. <laughs> With the woman next to the bed. <laughs> I get chance after chance after chance after chance. But then I ain't willing to give somebody the chance. Get the hell out of here. That's your ego, honey. That ain't, that ain't really who you are. Who you are, you're connected to an unconditional. There is not conditions on God's love and his favor. There's no conditions on it. He says, come as you are. So we, yes, there has to be boundaries and standards. We don't want to be a walkover, but I'm saying when there's a time when you're holding on to it, forgive, give it up, but not for them, for you. Because if you continue to hold on to it, it's on you. The book that I read and it said, not forgiving is like you're, you're drinking poison. You're, you're taking poison. You're expecting the other person to die. There's a part of you that's dying. Cancer comes from a place of unforgiveness. I'm saying it because I had it. And I had to check it. I had to check it. I had to check it. And we came from a family that didn't want to forgive. They wanted to hold on with their strong suit and their strong self. So, you know, just with forgiveness, Sue, and what you said is great. And even with the 
whatever it looks like, it's like you have a perspective and somebody else has another perspective. Sometimes that's all it is. And the amount of times that Tanya would fly in her car, I'm going to kill! Oh, Tanya, that's not your business. What do you mean it's not my business? It's my... Tanya, it is not. I don't understand you and Daddy. I don't understand. But Claudius and I understand. We've been through there. We've done that. My sister was swinging back to me. You understand? There's lots, there's just different perspectives sometimes. Different perspectives. And there's definitely different parts of your journey. I had to go through that. I had to go through that so I could create the change that I want to change. You understand? Because my change that I wanted to create before was swinging off people's head tops was I can't take disrespect. I can't take people who walk over. I can't take any of those things. I, I cannot take them. So I respond. And the way that I was reacting <laughs> meant that I would have been sitting in a pretty little cell, you know? So I had to clean up my attitude. I had to clean up my actions and I had to, find different ways to deal with the same things. And also one thing I would say about forgiveness is you can forgive people, right? But it doesn't mean they need to be in your life. It doesn't mean that you need to accept them back in, but what it does mean is you do not carry the weight of what it is that you're carrying. There's different levels of forgiveness. Forgiveness means that sometimes, yes, just strictly because of a different perspective, you guys took things differently. And it's so incredible when you then have that conversation and you get clarity and you're able to just let things go and you're still able to have a relationship. There's other levels of forgiveness where you let stuff go and it's done. There's no animosity. There's no bad energy. There's no stigma, but you don't necessarily have a relationship. But it's, it's about you knowing you and about you knowing your value. One of the most amazing forgiveness tools for me personally is I write letters. I write letters to every part of the thing that I need to forgive, to the person, to their mentality, to my thoughts, to my ideas, to my expectations. I will write 25 letters if I need to, to get that one thing out of my system. And guess what? I don't need to give them to the person. I burn them. So there's many levels of forgiveness as much as I know how empowering and powerful it is when I've really forgiven someone and I have the courage to pick up the phone and say, you know what, I forgive you. I actually forgive you. I love you and I forgive you. Both are powerful. You just got to figure out what method is going to work for you. And it may be different based on the context of the thing. And it also may be different based on your relationship. And so when it comes to forgiveness, those are things that I would say to take into consideration. However, it ain't got shit all to do with anybody else. It's all to do with you. And it's all for you. Give it up. Give it away, let it go, and watch how much lighter you are as a result of it. Watch how much clearer you are. So here's the prayer, guys, so we can get out of it. I appreciate your time and energy. It says, dear God, thank you. Thank you for deeply covering and blessing my family. Thank you for keeping us safe and protected by your divine love and light. Thank you for granting us with favor. Favor, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for keeping us. I ask that you continue to nourish our hearts and our minds and our souls so that we can live a fruitful life. May we shine, stand and walk in your vision and purpose for us. May you remind my brothers 
that they are king's sons. Therefore, may you strengthen them to walk, act, conduct, and love like the kings that they are. Please allow them to also reign supreme over their domains. May they be the head, may they be the lead, and may they prosper by having good intentions and fruitful hearts, helping others and being the best people and fathers they can be. Father, may they not be of these streets. May they be blessed with jobs and opportunities to be their best selves. Thank you, Lord. May you take a hold of my sister's hearts and minds. May you lovingly protect them and divinely nurture their hearts so that they remain open to pour and receive divine love and light into the entire universe. May you bless them with marriages and true divine love. May you allow all that they touch, invest in and give energy to or love and light to turn into gold. Thank you for your divine intervention and covering us, Lord. May you shine heavy through my sons, nieces, and nephews. May you reign supreme in all they are and all they do. May they truly be of you. Place everything in you and before you. Thank you. Father, thank you for your divine covering over my parents, my uncles, my aunts, and my one grandfather. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all of the prayers, for your great intentions, for your awesome investments, and I love them all. Thank you. May you bless and guide them and let them soar in their lives. May the love and light bless them tenfold. Thank you for being a faithful God. Thank you for allowing us to be a faith-filled family. Please continue to do what you do. And may this be our season of being truly placed and positioned in the kingdom of greatness. I ask, and so it is, and I am deeply grateful. Amen. Imagine I was praying that in February. My granddad is no longer here. He's no longer here. Do I feel like my prayers are unanswered? No. I'm just grateful that I had the heart to pray to cover my family and I will continue to cover yours. Your words never come back void. I know that I am living proof of my grandparents' prayers. I know that I am living evidence of my mum and dad's prayers. I know that I'm a testimony to what they've asked for. I know that. The way that I know scripture, people would think I've read a Bible. No scripture has been spoken into me. I know the words and I know the power of them. And I pray that everybody in this room continues to use their words in a powerful way. We get distracted by the actions of this world. And I'm telling y'all, speak life over it. Speak life into it. And when you do so, do it for yourself. I pray that you guys go in love and light, shoot your shot, play your position, be great, be bold, be you, and have an amazing, amazing, incredible day. Happy, happy birthday, Miss Dom, if you're still in the room. Oh, she's gone. Oh, no, you're here. Happy birthday, Miss Dom. Have a beautiful day. I pray that God continues to bless you with light and love and favor over your life, and I pray you continue to tap into it. I pray you continue to just do everything with all that you've got. Add value to what you've already got.
everybody in this room, you are valuable, you are valued, add value to what you've already got, go ahead and shoot your shot. Any last words, ma'am? No, I'm good, thank you. <laughs> great. Have a great day, guys.